The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this Friday morning. It's happy Friday. We're at the end of the week and uh, ready for a great weekend. And we're glad you're with us today as we finish out the week together. Uh, If you're following along with us in Scripture, we are jumping into Matthew chapter 14 today. And as we go through the life of Christ in Matthew's gospel. And so we're going to jump into a topic today that I've entitled Standing for Right in Dark Times. As we look at the account where Matthew records the time that John the Baptist was beheaded and the reasons for it. So let's go ahead and jump into the passage real quick. John chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, his sister-in-law. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he had wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those that sat with him, he commanded it to be given her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So the beginning of the passage deals with the idea that um, Herod is beginning to hear the stories of Jesus. He's beginning to recognize that this is not just a teacher. This is another, there's something special about him. And so he begins to, for probably a myriad of reasons, becomes nervous that this must be John the Baptist risen from the dead. Um, He had known John the Baptist, and from one of their accounts, they actually relatively got along. He didn't like his teaching because it was very opposite of the way Herod wanted to live. And in those days, especially under Roman rule, hey, let's do it. Do whatever you want at that point. And and that's one of the reasons that the Israeli people weren't captive under Rome because God had always stated when they were going to follow Jesus, they follow God, they do right. Well, then they would find themselves blessed and protected when they chose not to and follow other gods or live the other way. Then God, then he says, well, then you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to be in captivity, which happened several times for Israel. You go through the book of Judges, you'll see you know, it's about a 200, 250-year span. Uh, they were blessed greatly of God. Um, they, well, they worshiped God. They were blessed greatly of God. They started going towards other gods, fell into captivity, and that cycle just kept going. Um, but what we see here is the description of what happened. So he's nervous, and he just says, this must be John the Baptist be, um, risen again. And here's what happens. So they take the rest of the passage and describe what's happening to John the Baptist. So John the Baptist comes to Herod, comes to the Jewish Jewish leader, and he comes to him and he realizes that he's having an affair pretty much with um, his sister-in-law. He says, you're not allowed to have her. Um, verse 4, he says, John said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Uh, it was inappropriate in about a million ways. Now, please understand, the political rulers of the day felt as though this was fine. You can go all the way back to the first king, Saul and David and all them. They, they Saul, 
Samuel warned them by God that if you go to kings and things of that nature, you're going to have the corrupt nature of ultimate authority in humans. And, and it did. It happened throughout all of the time when the kings came in. So, but didn't change the fact that God's expectation on the, on the political rulers and leaders of the day was still a high moral expectation. By the way, I still think we should have that today in our world. I know we, we fight that. We say it's not a big deal. But I do think that our, our governmental leaders should have a high standard for morality and things of that nature. They're a leader, and hopefully they will set that as a high expectation. Uh, it's not necessarily always the case, but I think it should be. But we look at this idea, and so John the Baptist, you know John the Baptist was very much a go-out, kind of in-your-face, outgoing, zealous personality, very unique lifestyle. If you go back in the beginning of the Gospels and read what he was like, uh, and so uh, very bold as he was proclaiming this Jesus and, and proclaiming the Messiah. So he has no problem going before leadership. And well, Herod's point to shut him up was just throw him in prison. He wanted to kill him because he had the authority, but he knew so many people followed him as a prophet, um, the political upheaval would have been horrendous. And so he just puts him in prison, uh, basically for preaching the truth. Well, then it doesn't take long that uh, her, this, this woman's daughter dances and he likes it and, and he wants to impress people with his power and so he, he promises her anything and of course it becomes the death of John the Baptist and I just the gruesome way that the scripture portrays it. What, what I see in this is I think the bigger thing that I look at and we can look at this and talk about the gruesome death and, and where John stood but one of the things that grabbed my attention not just about what Herod was doing or the culture of the day is that John the Baptist knew these things. John knew that this is likely what's going to happen. And, and John probably knew that his life might be shortened by this, but he would rather stand strong. He would rather uh, preach the truth. He would rather uh, stand for right than live compromised in his own character. And you can see that by going to the king. The king, no one was going to care the king was doing this, even though it was morally and biblically wrong. No one else was going to care. This was unfortunately like today, ah, whatever. It's a sad, sad set of affairs, but it's just the way it was. And yet he was still passionate about this is wrong, this is wrong. And I appreciate when you look at this, a man who ultimately gave his life for this was willing to stand up against the authority of the day to stand for scripture. Now, in our day and age, the you know, we don't live in Israel. We, you know, the prophets aren't seen like they are today. There's the big push from what, and by the way, this is not the Constitution, separation of church and state. That's not in the Constitution. A lot of leaders want to say it's a constitutional right. It is not. It was just a letter from Thomas Jefferson to, uh, to the Baptist, actually. So that's not the premise. I will say our job uh, as preachers is not political. But I will say that there is an important aspect here where we need to be standing for right, even in a corrupt day. Uh, standing for right, and I hope we would set that standard. I know people get nervous, church people aren't perfect, and we're not perfect. But there's something about standing for right, setting setting a, a high standard for standing on the word of God. Because that's the question is, what is right? Uh, and that's really the question. To me, right is not a political thing. Right is not even a moral thing. Right is a scriptural thing. What does the Bible say? Uh, it comes down to the truth. It comes down to all of the things that God has established for us to stand on. 
Uh, It's not easy. Even churches across our country today are compromising biblical truth. And I'm not talking, okay, they differ in me and church and different philosophy or preferences. I'm talking that they're completely ignoring Scripture, sometimes even stating that verse is not really in the Bible, and they're just ignoring Scripture. Yeah, they'll use other passages to to prove their point, but it's conflicting, and they're just ignoring direct commands in Scripture uh, in in all of the uh, greatest Uh, and the hardest of issues today. May we lovingly but firmly stand right. Uh, I don't think you need to be mean to stand for right. I don't think you need to be cruel. I think you can be loving and stand for right. Jesus stood for right, and he was followed. And I think our world's looking for answers. I think they're looking for people who will be resolute, but yet gracious in standing for right. And I think that 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 would grab attention. Again, you don't have to be mean about it, but I think that there's a firmness that our world needs, our churches need, and may that be our desire to hold the position. And yes, unfortunately, that might come with its consequences. It obviously did for John the Baptist. Unfortunately, in America, I'm not sure that uh, we're at the point where lives are in danger or things of that nature. I don't think we're that far. But it doesn't matter. If we can't stand now, we won't be able to then. So may we as a church always be willing to stand for what we know is biblically right. Not opinion, not preference, and not not in a cruel way, but standing on the word of God, lovingly, graciously, but firmly. And may that be always the foundation we stand on. Well, thanks again for joining us on this Friday. Uh, if you're local to Bakersfield, California, we'd love to have you A church on Sunday. If you don't have your church, our own church already, we have nine o'clock adult Bible classes and Sunday school hour for the teens and kids. And our church, our morning service starts at 1030. We'd love to have you join us. If you can't make it here, you can join us online at our Facebook page and our YouTube channel and Instagram. And we'd love to have you join us uh, this Sunday at 1030. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again next week.